Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali, Matt Marchese alongside you as we recap another chaotic week across the NFL, the National Football League, Week 12 in the books. Welcome to this uh, Waiver Wire podcast edition of the program. And Matt, before we get to our Waiver Wire uh, pickups of the week, a couple of familiar names, but I, I dare say a lot of names that have not made it onto the list in weeks past, maybe like one or two guys, but for the most part, a lot of new names. But before we get there, I wanted to get to a couple of uh, injury news and notes with you. And this kind, this first one kind of, I would imagine, belies where I'm at with uh, some of these things. Like I have Aaron Rodgers in a couple of leagues and well, he's, he's stunk this year, <laughs> put it kindly. He has been not great. And we, I know we've uh, learned recently that he has what's called an avulsion fracture on the thumb of his throwing hand, which just sounds quite awful. Well, he is probably going to be out for maybe the next week, maybe for the rest of the season. I'm not really sure there is a point to the Packers putting Aaron Rodgers out there if he is clearly continually injured. And you might as well see if you have something in Jordan Love. But let, let's just say, for the sake of argument, that Aaron Rodgers does not play not only next week in Week 13, but for the rest of the season. What do you think that does to basically every other member of the Green Bay Packers when it comes to a fantasy perspective? Well, it kills them. I would, I would think. <laughs> think I so? would think. Like I had, I had somebody text me um, this morning talking about Jordan Love, and they're like, "He looked pretty good." Game was over. It doesn't matter. Like, fine, he looked okay. It was a, it was a low calorie game for him coming in when the game was, let's face it, fairly out of hand, and not like a blowout by any stretch, but it was more just the Eagles were not losing that game, and Jordan Love was not winning that game, so. I mean, is could Jordan Love surprise us? Sure. I mean, he could. Um, the only, like, I, I trust, I still trust Aaron Jones just because he's Aaron Jones. But outside of that, like, I, I would, I would probably play Christian Watson as a, a wide receiver or flex. And then that's it. Everyone else I'm not touching. I mean, maybe you could make the case for A.J. Dillon just because, I figure if Jordan Love's going to be the quarterback, they're probably going to run Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon a lot more, yeah. or at least as much as they have, which means they still maintain some volume-based um, fantasy relevance. More so in Dillon's case than Jones, because Jones is a better player. So that's how I would look at it. Um, but at the end of the day, while I'm saying this, I'm, I'm maybe talking myself into something else. Um, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been very good, so... Is there really that much of a chance? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I, I was going to kind of thinking to myself, well, you know what? The passing offense has been so awful all season long that it almost like couldn't be that much worse. Like I suppose it could be slightly worse, but given what you had seen, like there are a lot of like sub 200 passing yard games, one touchdown, sub 200 passing yard games and two interception games from Aaron Rodgers, basically all season long. And I mean, again, could Jordan love be worse than that? Like 1000%. He could absolutely be worse than that, but it also like the bar is so low that if he is, if he throws like 200 and, and 10 yards, maybe like one TD and adds like 50 yards rushing on the ground, you'd probably like take that. If he doesn't turn it over, you'd probably take that because they're, I think you're probably right, man. And that they're going to just run the ball, run the ball and run the ball some more. So I already Christian Watson and I don't know if Romeo dubs is in there. Alan Lazard, like any pass catcher probably already was not super valuable. So 
I mean, yeah, it, like it probably doesn't take that big of a big of a hit when it comes to QB changes. It's just you never really know if maybe maybe Christian Watson does become slightly more valuable because Love has more of a connection with him, or maybe maybe Romeo Dubs is that guy, maybe Lazard is that guy. It's kind of impossible to parse out like exactly which guy gets maybe a bit of a target boost. Yeah, it, it's gonna be. You know, it's going to be the wait and see approach. Like, I, I, when I think of backup quarterbacks, I always think of the guys that they had reps with in training camp. So he probably would have had a few reps with Romeo Dubs. He probably would have had, although Christian Watson missed a bunch of training camp. Like he probably would have had a few with, um, with Christian Watson, uh, Samari Toure. He might have had some reps with. But outside of that, like, I mean, he wouldn't have had very many with Alan Lazard, although he's been there long enough that they would have worked together at least a little bit. And the same can be said for Randall Cobb. I just always look to, you know, like Christian Watson's the one that makes the most sense in terms of the wide receivers that's going to carry any sort of value, especially because they look to him towards the end zone a lot. After that, yeah, I'm not really I'm not really interested in anything. And and again, like we said, the more we talk about it, the more we think that eh, probably not much is going to change. Yeah, I think that's it's kind of unfortunate, right? But I I do think that is probably uh, probably the case. And uh, I wanted to get to one other injury news notes here with you concerns the Chicago Bears. So no Justin Fields this past weekend, kind of as we thought, right? We were discussing the idea of of coaching malpractice. Should he suit up in in week twelve? He did not, which is good with the separated shoulder. Um, there was some thought that maybe Nathan Peterman would suit up in the end, uh, because it looked like maybe Trevor Simeon had hurt like an oblique or something like that in warm-ups. Um, Trevor Simeon did end up playing, but I got to say, I was very excited to see Nathan Peterman play, if only because a couple of years ago, like the year right before Josh Allen was drafted, I'd gone down to Buffalo to see uh, the Bills play the Saints, and the Saints, led by Drew Brees, old man Drew Brees, by the way, like a noodle-armed Drew Brees, still completely eviscerated the Buffalo Bills. Alvin Kamara scoring touchdowns left and right, and uh, Nathan Peterman seeing some action in that game. And I, then I think the very next week was the week he threw like four or five picks or something like that. But that will forever be my memory of Nathan Peterman. In the end, Trevor Simeon did suit up for the Chicago Bears. So not the sexiest of matchups, considering that Mike White also started for the New York Jets. But whenever I think of Nathan Peterman and I see his name in the media, that's what uh, <laughs> that's what immediately comes to mind. Man, I'm telling you. So funny Nathan Peterman story. Like I remember them doing like a hype video for Nathan Peterman when he was going to be the starter. Oh, man. And it was so bad. <laughs> I believe he was actually, I think he was the, he was the starter when Josh Allen was drafted. If I'm not mistaken, because it was Tyrod Taylor. And then anyway, it was a whole big disaster, but that five touchdown game, I remember being at living at my in-laws and the game was not on like the local station or okay. whatever, because the bills were so horrible. And regardless of how horrible they were, I would always, try to watch and somehow my cousin had it and I don't remember how or maybe my in-laws didn't have the specific channel but I remember him texting me and as I'm following on the phone he goes you should be so happy that you're not watching this game because this is the biggest dumpster fire that I've ever (laughs) seen in my life he threw like five interceptions on like seven passes it it was literally like the worst QB rating in NFL history 
Like it was like minus a thousand. I just I'm I just sure looked it, it up. I, I just looked it up, man. So if if you go, to, I'm not kidding. I know you take take everything on Wikipedia with a grain of salt. But if you go to Nathan Peterman's Wikipedia page, okay, the the first like text beyond like when he was born and what the team he plays for and where he went to college, the first text of his Wikipedia entry says. Peterman struggled early in the NFL, throwing five interceptions during the first half of his starting debut and posting a 0.0 passer rating in the 2018 season opener. His 11 interceptions between 2017 and 2018 are the most for a quarterback with less than 100 passing attempts. So that sucks. There, there. That sucks. That's bad. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah. This advanced stats say that is bad. That's a well, you know what? Thankfully, Bears fans didn't get to see really any of that on Sunday. Not that it was like all that much better with Trevor Simeon at QB, but uh, the things did go from bad to worse for Chicago fans because no Justin Fields. Also, no more Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney is done for the season. That was announced, I believe, earlier on Monday. And no more Mooney. Ankle injury means he's done for the year. I'm curious, like when it comes to fantasy football, who gets who gets the majority of targets in that offense? Does it mean they're just going to run the ball with Fields himself more? Do they run the ball with David Montgomery more? Is it Cole Komet who sees the largest share of targets? Should you be picking up like Equinemius St. Brown? Like I'm curious where you fall on the Chicago target share of the passing, the passing offense, because it's already not the highest quality passing offense out there. Well, we've already almost forgotten about Chase Claypool that he's, I have forgotten about him. (laughs) Well, that's how much of an impact he's made since he's gone to Chicago. They paid a pretty price for him. Like he's a, they co- it cost him a second round pick. I mean, listen, show if it's not Chase Claypool, I'm try I I gotta figure out what the hell they're doing in Chicago. Yeah, but I think the guy that benefits the most just because he's been there and has a rapport with Justin Fields is Cole Komet, and it and it should be. Um, that's if Justin Fields is back. After that, I mean, if it's a lot of Trevor Trevor Simeon, and God help us if there's a lot of Nathan Peterman. Um, which I still wonder how he still has a job in the NFL. But if it's if it's Fields at quarterback, I think Komet has the the obvious advantage. But if it's Simeon or or if it's if it again if it's God forbid Nathan Peterman, then I I think it's not as cut and dry, and I think it's going to be kind of split amongst a, a few different guys. I think Chase Claypool has the the lead in that regard only because. I mean, in theory, he should be the best receiver on the roster now, but that remains to be seen. Learning a new playbook, like all that's a bad quarterback play if it's Trevor Simeon, whatever the case may be. So if if Claypool is available, which I, I doubt he's available in very many leagues, but he would be a guy that would be of interest. And for anybody in a dynasty league, if you're out of it right now, I would be trading for Darnell Mooney because I still think that the best is yet to come with the Chicago offense, especially with Justin Fields arm. Cause I anticipate that the bears are going to be investing heavily in this offensive line this off season. That would be my guess. They, they brought in chase Claypool. I can't see them drafting another wide receiver just cause they need help elsewhere. I would be going out and trying to get Darnell Mooney because the cost right now is going to be as low as it's ever going to get. I would think so. Right. I, I would definitely think so. He's very talented. It's just, I, I'm, I've always kind of felt that 
Darnell Mooney has kind of fallen into the same camp or, or could fall into the same camp as like Terry McLaurin before he got even like semi competent quarterback play. And we've seen some flashes with Justin Fields and obviously Justin Fields is the most competent quarterback Mooney has ever played with. So I, I kind of agree with you. I'm on the same page with you there in terms of if you're a dynasty leagues, keeper leagues, definitely don't be, uh, especially in keeper leagues, don't be dropping Darnell Mooney. Cause I bet the opportunity cost to acquire him in the draft this past year was probably pretty low. So, so again, I'm not sure I'm not, if you have only like one keeper to make or three keepers to make, maybe you probably have better ones, but something to keep in mind as we look forward to 2023, because we're at, we're at that point now, Matt, right? We're going into week 13. And I think for a lot of leagues, I think the, the playoffs start in week 15 in one of my leagues, for example, the weeks, the playoffs start in week 14. So it's going to be like for, for a lot of people, week 13 this coming week and then week 14 next week is going to be the, the real crunch time where you're really looking forward to either wins and losses against particular opponents and needing other people to win and lose. And then you're also, if you're, out of, if you're already out of it, you're already looking forward at your keepers or playing spoiler or what have you. So I think uh, I, I'm 100% on board. Keep an eye on Darnell Mooney's status. Um, let's get to our waiver wire pickups of the week. And I'll get to yours first. I only have a couple, but we'll save mine for the end. Um, I'll get to this guy first because honestly, when you wrote his name down, I was like, Matt's just making up names now. Like he's just trying to sneak <laughs> in names to see if I'm paying attention. Like he made this guy up. Zonovan Knight rostered in 1% of Yahoo leagues. I swear upon all that is holy. If you told me like in person, you were like, show, we're going to talk about Zonovan Knight here today on the fantasy show. I'd be like, great. I, does this guy play in the NFL? <laughs> I couldn't tell you. He, you know what show? I remember the, the only reason why I, I like, he's an NC state product. And the only reason why I knew about him was I can't tell you how many mock drafts I did for the Buffalo bills in uh, on uh, pro football Focus's platform i must have done a hundred so i saw zonovan knight's name a bunch so i had to look him up before the draft but uh undrafted signs with the jets and let's face it nobody ever thought that this was going to be a thing because they had Brees hall and 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 michael carter and they had ty johnson and they you know after Brees hall got hurt they they brought in james robinson who was an inactive this week and you're trying to figure out what the hell the jets are doing but and and frankly, the fact that he's rostered in one percent of Yahoo leagues just told me that players become free agents in those leagues after the game is played. They become readily available. So that's the only way that I see how Zonovan Knight is rostered in one percent of Yahoo leagues. But fourteen carries for sixty nine yards, three receptions for thirty four yards, and the the key here is we don't know how long Michael Carter is going to be out with this injury. It's an ankle injury where those can be a little bit tricky, and. I mean, there's still a chance that they look at James Robinson and go, okay, you know what? We, we sat you out one game. We're going to bring you back into the fold. Yeah. I still do think that Ty Johnson's going to have a role. He did end up scoring like a 32-yard touchdown or something. But Zonovan Knight was the one who got the work when Michael Carter went down. Is that just circumstance because James Robinson was inactive? I mean, there's a reason why Knight was active and James Robinson wasn't. So he's absolutely worth a pickup because as we know, at this point in the season, anytime you can add RB help, or just to keep him away from somebody else, if you have a drop yourself, he's absolutely worth a pickup because the way the Jets have played, we've seen it. They want to run the ball. Robert Sala, you know, even though he was a defensive guy, still came from the Kyle Shanahan tree and saw how what made 
the Niners successful, which was running the ball with more than one guy. And Zonovan Knight fits that bill. And apparently the team is better with Mike White as the quarterback. So, I mean, there's lots to lots of intrigue with this Jets offense. And Zonovan Knight is near or at the top of that list. It's funny you mentioned Michael Carter because I had I, I don't often bet. I don't bet a lot of money on various NFL props, Matt. But I thought I saw the Mike White move. I thought to myself, okay, Mike White. Not the not the world's biggest, more, most prolific gunslinger. So maybe what I'll do is I'll sprinkle a little on the over for receptions by running backs. And I thought to myself, oh, the the over under is two and a half for Michael Carter. I'm like, oh, this is great. Like he's gonna he's gonna annihilate this prop. He's gonna finish with like five or six catches. He finished with two catches before he got injured. All I could think of was he got injured, and I mean, I, I ended up losing my matchup in this particular league. Where I had Michael Carter, because I mean, I'm in so many leagues. You, you know, I'm sure you are the same. Where you're in so many million different many. leagues, yeah. Like you, you probably have like a player from every team amongst all the various leagues by the end of it all. So in one of these leagues, I had Michael Carter. And I thought to myself, oh man, I'm, I'm going to double down. I'm going to I'm going to bet some on Carter. Not only did he get injured and have basically zero points, but he also did not meet the uh, over two and a half receptions. So. I guess uh, lesson learned. Lesson learned. Don't double down on those kinds of bets. Um, you mentioned the Jets. Uh, my one of my, one of my. I figure we get to it now, just because you mentioned it and we were kind of talking about him. Mike White was one of my waiver wire pickups. He's not rostered in very many very many uh, leagues. He's only rostered in four percent of Yahoo leagues. Now, of course. If you're in a single QB league, which I imagine the vast majority are, then you probably have no use for Mike White. But if you're in a super flex league or a two QB league, I I have a feeling, especially with the way QBs have performed, I know they're going week to week is what Robert Saleh said. So, you know, maybe he has no value after week 13 It's very possible, but he is going to be the starter for at least one more week. And we've said this a lot that the jets were literally just semi competent QB play away from probably being a very good team. And here we are. They absolutely wax the bears. Where, where are you at? Like, do you, do you think if you're in a super flex league or two QB league, it might be worth putting in a waiver claim on someone like Mike white. Absolutely. I just look at the weapons that they just even the two wide receivers like finally Elijah Moore came back to life after an incredible rookie season. And when it comes to Mike White, like I don't know what I I don't know what we know about Zach Wilson just yet, because I still think that it's a hard position. Um, and, And sometimes, you know, high draft picks do take longer. Like, you know, Geno Smith was a high second round pick, not the second overall pick like Zach Wilson, but. Sometimes it does take time. The thing is here is that for one, we've never seen Zach Wilson have a game like Mike White just had for one thing. The second thing is that Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore are really good football players. And they are players that make this team a very interesting one. If a guy like Mike White can just get them the ball, I don't see how Zach Wilson gets his job back. Now, having said that, I don't know how he took the job away from Joe Flacco, but I digress. Now, you know, you, you never lose your job because of injury, but now Zach Wilson may have lost it because of in, incompetence. So that's where it's a little bit different for me. Mike White's absolutely worth an ad just because of, of, you know, that offensive line has been pretty good. They run the ball really well, which opens up the passing game. And I think that Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore are two of the better young receivers in the NFL right now. They're also probably going to be getting back some of the offensive line pieces that were injured early in the season 
probably around the time the playoff, the fantasy playoffs start. So it's very possible that this team becomes slightly more talented, which is kind of not something you often see or hear at this point so late in the season. But yeah, I just, I was curious about your thoughts on Mike White, just because he looked pretty good. Like he, he, I'm not going to say he looked like the next coming of Tom Brady out there, but he definitely looked, I mean, he looked better than basically anything we have seen from Zach Wilson all season which dates back to like week three or week four, whenever Joe Flacco was the QB, right? And I, I'm with you. I, I kind of thought we would see Joe Flacco, but I think that was like the fantasy hopeful in me because we saw Joe Flacco throw the ball like what sixty times a game in like in the span of a month, and he and he was throwing the ball like of those sixty times, like fifteen to twenty targets were going to Garrett Wilson. It felt like so. As a Garrett Wilson owner in a couple of leagues, I was definitely hopeful. But hey, I mean, he still had a pretty nice game. I think he had like 23 points in half PPR league. So it's uh, definitely good for the value of Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. Uh, speaking of Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore is, is uh, owned in just 26% of Yahoo League. So still, I mean, it's still a decent chunk, but it's still a low enough rate, just a little over a quarter of Yahoo Leagues. It's still a low enough rate that... I would imagine, Matt, that even in some competitive leagues, Elijah Moore may because maybe because of bench space or what have you might have been dropped, right? Because I'm sure he was drafted or at least rostered for much of the early part of the season before all of the stuff happened with him wanting out of town and so on. But he's there. And I mean, if Mike White's going to continue looking his way, I know he threw the ball to like eight or nine different receivers in this one this past weekend. But still, I mean, if again, this goes back to the conversation we were just having about White, but Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, the various pieces like Zonovan Knight and the rest of the running backs and so on, they're all rosterable at this point. It'll be hard to pick out who you start on a given week, but most Jets pieces are probably worth having on your team because they've been pretty good so far. Yeah, I would say so. And and this it, this is a team that wants to make the playoffs, so they're going to do whatever they can. If it means they got to huck the ball 50 times, then that's what they're going to do. We saw it with Joe Flacco. If, they're, if they want to run the ball 50 times, well, they're going to do that too. Um, so I, I do believe that Elijah Moore, um, uh, Garrett Wilson, Mike White, Zonovan Knight, uh, Michael Carter, if he's healthy, of course, and and even even Ty Johnson. If, if Michael Carter's out, I still think that Ty Johnson should be rosterable. Yeah. So yeah, it, I never thought that we would have that conversation know, about eh? the New York Jets. Not in a million years. Pretty crazy. Like I, I, I wasn't even sure we were going to have that conversation about Garrett Wilson at any point this season. Like I kind of thought, yeah, very talented player. Didn't love the landing spot for him. And here we are. I mean, complete. I mean, I'm, you know, he was, he was obviously talented. Like he was probably at worst, like maybe the second most talented wide receiver in that draft class. And this, that's saying something considering you're looking at all the other draft drafted wide receivers like an Olave, like a London, like a Traylon Burks, et cetera, right? Like even even if you look at the other guys like Christian Watson and Sky Moore and Romeo Dubs and Tyquan Thornton, like some of the other guys taken a little later on in the draft, Garrett Wilson was, I think, probably at worst the second best guy behind Jameson Williams. And Jameson Williams hasn't played a snap this season because of the unfortunate injury he suffered in the, in the national championship game in January, right? So I think... Ultimately speaking, Garrett Wilson, I think you, you see the draft pedigree sometimes. It doesn't always show out, but for Wilson, it has. And for a lot of the other highly picked draft, uh, highly drafted Jets players, I think you can probably feel the same way. Um, let's quickly get through the rest of your uh, waiver wire pickups. I see you have a, a trio of wide receivers here. 
Uh, Zay Jones, Michael Gallup, and Quez Watkins. Quez Watkins rostered in 1% of Yahoo leagues, Zay Jones in 25%, Michael Gallup in 48%. Gallup was making some absolutely ridiculous, like ludicrous catches on Thanksgiving. And I mean, Dak Prescott wasn't the, the most accurate, I would say, on that in that game, but still... He was delivering the ball to Gallup, who I think made five very tough grabs. Uh, Zay Jones, my God, I think he had like 20-something points in half PPR leagues, including catching the two-point conversion to win it for the Jaguars with about 10 to 14 seconds left. And then Quez Watkins has seemingly taken the Dallas Goddard role, I would say. Like I'm not, he, I, No one can really entirely take that role, but they seem to be running more sets with just Watkins on the field instead of Dallas Goddard, who is injured and will likely return for the real-life playoff run by the Eagles, but perhaps not so much by your uh, for your fantasy playoffs, or if he does, it'll be very late, on, late in the fantasy playoffs. But Quez Watkins seems to be taking that role right now, Matt. Yeah, and and Quez Watkins was a guy that I said, just keep an eye on because somebody's got to take some of the work. Not all of the work, but some of the work because, let's face it, the tight ends were uh, who and who the hell. So, I mean, nobody knew who, who those guys were. Quez Watkins has had at least 80 yards or 31 yards and a touchdown in three straight weeks. That's a great stash with Dallas Goddard out. And if you're in a pinch because of injury or whatever, He's, he's a bit of a punt play because he's a little bit touchdown dependent, but he's caught two in a row, so it, it, you could certainly do a lot worse. The, the Zay Jones thing, he's got a great rapport with Trevor Lawrence, and, and over the past five games, Trevor Lawrence's passer rating when targeting Zay Jones is over 100, which is really good for those playing the home game. So I, I really like Zay Jones. He's He's appeared on this list before this season, but, I mean, 11 catches, 145 yards, two-point convert, 14 targets. I mean, they the, the Ravens did do a pretty good job of taking away Christian Kirk, and that's not going to happen every week. But Zay Jones is at least interesting in a flex spot going forward. And Michael Gallup, for me, show it's just there's too much talent there for him to be on your waiver wire, plain and simple. Everybody usually has a drop, unless you're in really, really shallow leagues. But at this point, like if you're in a – 10 to 14 to obviously 16. I doubt he's available in a 16 team league, but 10 to 14 team league and he's available. Go snap him up because the other thing is, is I know you never handcuff a wide receiver, but if CD lamb were to go down, that is wheels up. Michael Gallup. Yeah. And CD lamb has just an insane target share in Dallas. And, and you know what? Like Michael Gallup has still been eking out a pretty nice target share himself. Anyway, so like it might've just taken him, a little while to get up to speed, if only because he had an he had an injury, and sometimes that just takes you. It, like you can't just slot in a guy right away and expect him to contribute right away. And then on top of that, Dallas had been having some issues, maybe some communication issues with Dak and getting back into the swing of things. Right. So right now, though, Dallas looks like they're firing on all cylinders. So I definitely think I agree with you. There, there's no way Gallup should be on the waiver wire. And uh, again, if if you have shallow benches, maybe that's the only reason he is on the waiver wire. But if you're in a semi to, to to really competitive league I imagine Gallup is rostered and uh, on the Jags real quick if you're wondering why we haven't talked about Jamichael Hasty, it is really because Travis Etienne was announced to basically be okay like he could have gone back into that game against the Ravens and Doug Peterson held him out you know, as as a Travis Etienne owner who essentially lost by like five by five points in a league, I, I started Etienne in. 
<laughs> Matt, I, I wasn't thrilled to see the news that Doug Peterson was like, oh, yeah, he was fine. We could have easily put him back into that game. But at the same time, I get it, right? He had, he got in the, ro- the, the, the injured foot, the surgically repaired foot that kept him out for his entire true rookie season. He was rolled up on that foot. And, I mean, the Jaguars, yeah, sure. Are they, like, only a couple games out of the AFC South? Yes, that is mathematically true. But at the same time, they're probably looking with an eye firmly to the future, given that ETN is almost assuredly going to be their bell cow running back for the foreseeable future. So what's the point? I get it in the sense that what's the point of, of risking it. But at the same time, I wasn't super thrilled to read that news on, uh, on the old Twitter machine today. I do. I do believe that you're correct about them just being a little bit cautious. Like that list, Frank injury was not like, there were people that thought that he wouldn't come back and be anything like he was when the Jags drafted right. him, it was it was that bad. So I, I understand, but show I'm also in the same boat as you that I had <laughs> Travis Etienne, and when he didn't come back, I was kind of pissed off as well. Uh, but these are human beings after all, and uh, we are just playing a game. But we're uh, gambling, yeah, Jama- we're gambling is what we're doing. We are, we are. <laughs> and Jamichael Hasty was really good. So what that tells me is Jamichael Hasty should still be rostered as a ha- like if you have Travis Etienne, you should absolutely be rostering Jamichael Hasty. Yeah, you know what? Like I know I talked a lot about like maybe rostering two defenses if you if you're at, if you're playoff bound. I think I might just like I, I mean it depends on what the defenses are, but if you are in that boat and you're an ETN owner and you don't want to risk it, maybe yeah, eh, maybe maybe roster hasty. <laughs> like just just in case, right? Like just in case. I think I have a feeling he will be fine and I, I will say if you are going to make the playoffs and you have Travis ETN he has a nice playoff schedule for running backs. He has a very nice, very nice playoff schedule for, for one of the few players we think in the NFL gets a ton of carries. I know Darrell Henderson jr. Is now a Jaguar and Doug Peterson did say that he is going to be used to spell ETN at some point. And it's probably the same general concept. Like they don't want to necessarily uh, make ETN run the ball, run him into the ground. And like in what is essentially his rookie year, considering he didn't play last year, uh, you know, especially if the Jags are not going to be competitive in certain games. I get it. Like I get it from a real life standpoint, but you know, we all want bell cows on our teams. I still think ETN is likely going to be that guy more often than not going into next year and years beyond, but just something to keep in mind. Um, your last guy before we get, I have two more guys to get to, but we'll be really quick with my dudes. Um, Kyron Williams roster in 30% of Yahoo leagues is your last one. And Kyron Williams is someone we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and it, it kind of felt like maybe the fruit wasn't going to be particularly tasty when it came to Kyron Williams, just because the entirety of the, the uh, Los Angeles Rams are just bad. They're injured and they're bad right now, right? No Matthew Stafford. He's still in concussion protocol as of Monday. Uh, no Cooper Cup. It looks like his season is probably done, I would imagine, given the state of the rest of the team. You got guys, I know they're not fantasy relevant, but even like Aaron Donald has a sprained ankle. And boy, it's 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 an ugly situation in Los Angeles. I know they don't really care because they literally just won the Super Bowl. So it's probably the completely fine result for a, a couple of years of darkness, considering you just won a championship. But oh boy, Matt, like I just, I guess you could start Kyron Williams, but it's it just, he's one of those players for me that, yes, absolutely. Absolutely should be rostered, but I'm not sure I could ever bring myself to start him over a lot of other players. Well, here, here's the way I look at it. He did have 11 carries for, you know, 35 yards. Not great, but he had three receptions for 25 yards. Again, it's not great, but that's still 14 touches. And, you know, we were playing guys like Tyler Algier. We were, you know, we've been playing some pretty not so good guys. 
Um, Algier was better this past week, but the point is, is that it looks like the Rams are absolutely done with Cam Akers. And I think a lot of people are done with Cam Akers on the Rams specifically, and he needs a change of scenery. I think that the Rams are really going to give Kyron Williams a look here. The Daryl Henderson thing is kind of why I put Kyron Williams on this. Like he was a, he was a, a cut last week. He signs with the Jags and, and that's all fine. I just think that they've done this because they wanted to give him a chance somewhere else and they want to get a real good look at what Kyron Williams is. The other thing is that Kyron Williams does really well is he pass blocks really well and he catches the ball really well, which we've noted on this show. His pass catching acumen at Notre Dame is, is very well documented. I just think as a stash, he's absolutely worth taking a chance on. In one of the leagues I had, uh, I had stashed Kyron Williams in, not our work league, but a different one. I I held him basically all season. Like maybe remember when the hype train was like at its highest in week one, then he immediately sprained his ankle and then he was put on, on IR. I, I've held him in that particular league since that moment. And then I, I dropped him to when uh, Antonio, someone dropped Antonio Gibson in one of my leagues. So, so I dropped him for Antonio Gibson and Gibson was great. And then, this past week, Gibson was basically invisible to Brian Robinson Jr., who, by the way, I don't know if you saw, was wearing a gigantic hat in the oh, locker room. Oh, I did. Oh, I did. That was something. <laughs> that was great. I like he he. If you haven't seen this, I believe it was Sam Fortier, who is one of the Washington Commanders uh, beat writers. But he he. I think he writes for the Washington Post, and he and he is a picture of, of Brian Robinson Jr. Like he, he looks like a Lego figure with a giant piece of Lego on yes. his head. That's what he looks yes. like. <laughs> yes. hundred percent. I, that, that is a great, that is a great analogy. That's exactly what he looked like. So good. I just, I love that is the quote that went along with it was like, my friend has a big hat company. So if you want a big hat company, big, our big hat hit me up. I got you. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Like I, you know what? I hope we see big hats in the media in the not too distant future, because that would be absolutely uh, phenomenal. Um, before we go real quick, I wanted to get to my couple of uh, my last couple of waiver wire pickups. They're actually on the same team. So we can discuss them at the same time. Uh, you mentioned, we kind of started the waiver wire discussion by talking about the, the, the system that Robert Saleh, despite being a defensive coordinator comes from. And that is of course, the same, San Francisco system, Elijah Mitchell has apparently sprained the same uh, ligament in his knee that kept him out for the first six to eight weeks. And looks like he'll be out for another six to eight weeks. So boy, what a roller coaster with Elijah Mitchell. Cause he went, you, he went from being a great handcuff to, uh, and maybe even the lead back in San Francisco to being a great handcuff. When other guys emerged, he got injured. You're stashing him. CMC gets traded there. It looked like Elijah Mitchell was going to be in a straight up timeshare with CMC. And then he comes back and then immediately gets injured basically in the same game that Christian McCaffrey also suffers a knee irritation. So now let's just say, I think CMC is going to be fine is what they're saying, but a, that San Francisco running back position apparently is cursed. Uh, But B, if you had to roster someone who is not Elijah Mitchell and who is not Christian McCaffrey, Jeff Wilson Jr. is out in Miami now, so we can't rely on him anymore. The only other two options are Terry and Davis Price and Jordan Mason. Davis Price is rostered, Matt, in 1% of Yahoo leagues. Jordan Mason, and I had to double check this, is rostered in 0% of Yahoo leagues, which I, I guess they round down, right? Like, I guess even if like one person of like the zillions of Yahoo leagues rosters him, I guess it just counts as a zero, but maybe there's a real chance that literally no one has this guy on their rosters. I expect it's going to change after Wednesday's waiver wire processing period, but 
boy, like I, again, I expect it to be CMC and I expect him to get a lion's share of the workload, but someone has got to carry the ball other than him and then a Kyle Shanahan offense. And I admit, I'm not sure who it is. You would think it's Jordan Mason, but after, uh, after uh, Elijah Mitchell went down in week one in week two, TDP got a fair amount of carries. I think he got like 13 or 14 carries. So it could very well be him. Yeah, I, I I'll never try and figure out what the hell Kyle Shanahan's gonna try and do because maybe I mean, it'll be you. Who knows? It, it it could be me. I the thing is with with TDP is like there. Jordan Mason had five carries and and when both of these guys were healthy, TDP was a healthy scratch. Remember, both are rookies. Jordan Mason is an undrafted rookie. TDP was drafted in the third or fourth round. I want to say the fourth round, and. And Mason outtouched him in week two when they were sorry, Davis Price outtouched him in week two when they were both healthy. But the problem was was that I think it was the next week Jordan Mason was active and TDP was a healthy scratch. So nothing makes sense in San Francisco. I usually default to the guy that has the draft capital, but in this case, we've seen it with the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, Trey Sermon. Elijah Mitchell. Trey Sermon was the third round pick. Yeah. Elijah Mitchell was the sixth round pick. Trey Sermon's not even on the roster anymore. That was last year. Yeah, that was crazy. So, I, I mean, if I had to lean somebody, I want to say it's TDP, but Jordan Mason played yesterday or, or Sunday. So, I mean, I don't know. I have no, I have no idea. I think, you know what I would say? I would say put in a claim for both of them and see which one you get. <laughs> yeah. Like, like we often say at this point, like right now you are probably guessing, right? It's probably a guess when it comes to who is uh, like, the, like you could point to the, yeah, TDP got 14 carries in week two and you can point to, okay, then he's with a healthy scratch. Maybe it is Mason. Uh, like the truth is honestly that no, no one, probably not even Kyle Shanahan knows who is going to be uh, the backup to CMC. And I mean, look, I, I will say it is worth putting a waiver claim in for maybe a low priority or just waiting to see if you can get them off of waivers, like the free waivers. If you don't put in a claim at all, depending on your league settings, you might have to, depending on your league settings. Cause some, some leagues don't have free waivers, but uh Depending on them, I, I, it might be worth putting in a claim for one of these guys because if CMC does miss time, and I know they're just calling it knee irritation, but I think you everyone kind of collectively holds their breath when you talk about Christian McCaffrey. So I think it's it's worth putting a claim on on either Mason or TDP. And if one of them pops, then you probably haven't spent a whole ton. And if if they don't, then I'll, the same holds true for that too, right? So I, I show, personally show, at the end of the day, it's going to end up being Tevin Coleman who's on the practice squad, <laughs> right? Probably. It's going to uh, that's what's going to happen. He's going to score like two touchdowns next week. He's going to have like he, see what's going to happen is that he will get like three carries and he'll be like he'll have like three carries at the goal line. He gets stuffed for one and then he'll get like two touchdowns in the next two carries and then that'll be it. He'll have like 12 points and he'll have and two of them will be, you know, they'll be split up between two touchdowns. That's exactly what's going to happen. I hate fantasy football. Honestly. <laughs> I'll, I'll like see you next stuff week. Like that. <laughs> yeah. I, for stupid stuff like that. I know. That's why I always feel. I always feel to myself like, oh my God, fantasy football. What a grind. And then I'm like, I can't, I, I'm a sicko. I'm going to be back here exactly next week and exactly next year and looking at all the, doing the mock drafts and the off season and all of those things. But it is uh, the chaos is why we both hate and love it. Um, but that does it for the uh, waiver wire pickups. Uh, real quick, Patriots Bills in New England is the uh, Thursday nighter. 
uh, my Patriots, I should say, versus your lowly Buffalo Bill. <laughs> no, whoa, kidding. whoa, whoa. <laughs> they, were, they were not great last Thursday. Well, how, how do we feel about Stephon Diggs this week? Are we, I mean, I'm obviously not benching Diggs, but we did just see it's kind of like a two things for me, right? Because we, we know that Bill Belichick will go out of his way to take away your best weapon. And I think we can all agree that the best weapon on the, on the uh, Buffalo Bills is by far and away, apart from like the arm of Josh Allen, but like his top weapon is uh, Stefan Diggs. And at the same time, we did just see Justin Jefferson carve the Patriots defense for like a touchdown and 130 plus yards and like nine catches or something like that. Right. So that he did, he basically did whatever he wanted. And Diggs is one of the other premier receivers in the NFL. What are we feeling about Stefan Diggs on Thursday? Oh, I think he will be just fine. I, I think, I think especially because it does feel like the last two weeks Diggs is, you know, he's kind of gotten a little bit pissed off on the sidelines and if there's ever a team that you want to beat the crap out of, if you're the Buffalo Bills, it's the New England Patriots. I think that Stefan Diggs ends up having a big, big day. Like, you know, the the eight catch, 142 touchdown type day. Oh, baby. As someone who needs a big week from Stefan Diggs, I would, I will sign, sign me up as a Patriots. You know what? As a Patriots fan, sign me the hell up. Um, the Bills currently are a favorite to win by five points, right? They're five point favorites on the road. Uh, do they cover? Yes or no? Ooh, that's a tough one because they haven't, they can't even cover their bed right now um, <laughs> with a sheet. It's been, it's been really bad. There's something about New England though. Like I, I, I think back to that playoff game last year where they absolutely trounced Ooh. them. Um, but this is not the same Bills team. I, ugh. in Foxborough, it's on the road. I say that that game is within a field goal again. Okay. All right. I'll, I, I'll... As much as it pains me to say that. All I can say, Matt, is when will it be my turn? When will it be the long-suffering Patriots fans' turn? Oh, that's enough. (laughs) That's enough. Uh, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Okay. Uh, that does it for this edition of the fantasy show. That's Matt Marchese. I'm show Ali. Uh, you can always reach us at any time on Twitter at SNS Ali with two L's at Maddie Mar 89 at the fantasy show on Twitter. You can also tweet the fan as well at fan five We're back on Sunday morning from eight to 10 a.m. Eastern, but until then uh, best of luck with your bets, best of luck with your waiver wire pickups. You've been listening to the fantasy show on the Sportsnet radio network.